the PropCast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. We're also brought to you by PricePix. PricePix is DFS simplified. Head over to PricePix.com and use promo code SGP for a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. We're also brought to you by SoBet. Sign up to bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at SoBet.io. That's SoBet.io. We're also brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the head-to-head matchups. Download the app today or just head over to betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. You're home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Welcome everyone to the PropCast NFL Week 12 Player Props Edition, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am your host, Unaf Manji, Friday evening, November 26th, Black Friday. And joining me today is contributor and podcast editor for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and host of his own radio show. I try to keep this man as busy as possible. It's Scott Reichel. Scott, how's your Friday going, buddy? Uh, it's going pretty well. Decent amount of college action, both on the court and on the field. So I was watching some games. The Dayton buzzer beater was nuts against Kansas. That was a fun time to witness. Yeah. Besides that, uh, according to my sheet, I might have this wrong. It says we're talking about football. That can't football. be right, right? I don't think that's right. I think we're supposed to be doing NBA or basketball or what's going on. No, uh, yeah, <laughs> you and I have mostly, I think 100% of our pods that we've done together have all been NBA, but uh, Dan is out this week uh, spending some time with the family. Need, much needed day off. They're keeping them busy over there at the Action Network. So like, what better way to get Scott also uh, get the conversation going for NFL also. So here we are. Uh, I believe they call that in the industry out for personal reasons. Yeah, uh, personal reasons slash load management for Dan. But uh, Dan will be back next week. But, uh, yeah, glad to have you on, Scott. Uh, let's start with uh, Thanksgiving Day games. We had a triple header. Um, I'll be honest. I did not catch that first game between the bears and the lions. Uh, just read the box score. Are you uh, bragging about that? Or are you just, I am bragging. Cause... I am bragging that I slept in a little bit yesterday. Gave myself a day off. <laughs> uh, I did. I will say that I did catch like the final, like three minutes of it, where it was like this, the most interesting part of the game, but, uh, kind of want to get your takeaway, Scott, uh, from the three games yesterday, a uh, couple snoozers and one pretty good game. Like you can make an argument the first one was so bad that it was good because it came down the stretch, but there was one really bad game, which was the Bills-Saints game, which I'm not going to spend much time talking about. But yeah. I'll go in order. Starting with the early game, my main takeaway, Nagy and Campbell, they both can't coach. That, that was my main takeaway for the actual game. Campbell, down the stretch, uses timeouts on the same, on you know, back-to-back, which is a penalty, so you just give your opponent free five yards. <laughs> I think the more damn 
in the postgame presser, he said that he called the second timeout because his defense wasn't set and he didn't want to give up a touchdown. That's the jarring statement because they weren't trying to score a touchdown. They were trying to get the first down, take a (laughs) knee and kick a field goal at the buzzer, which is exactly what happened. So the bears weren't trying. Of course they wouldn't have said no to a free touchdown, but the goal there is get four yards, get a first down, then take the knees and the game's over. And instead the play that actually mattered was the pass to a bird. They had three guys standing in the end zone playing seven yards off on third and four, and I'm looking at uh, just the people I was with saying, just throw a quick pass to the guy in the seam because you just need four yards and you win the game. Yeah. And lo and behold, the guy took two steps, turned around, and was wide open. So it wasn't even just the actual back-to-back penalties. It was also the really questionable just defensive schemes in the final couple minutes. You had the what was it? They had first and 10 at Chicago's 25 and it turned into fourth and 33 at, the, at their own 50 and that field goal would have won the game. But yeah, really just a good showcase of how one team could be winless through about 11 or 12 weeks. And it's an, on the other side, uh, yeah, how the Chicago is terrible because Nagy can't coach, but he saved his job. So that was my main takeaway for that game. Both coaches, bottom of the barrel, really, really bad. But you have any takeaways from what you saw for the final five minutes of that game? Um, I, I'm probably echoing everything that you said. I don't need to repeat it, but um, <clears throat> it was funny after the game. Obviously, Nagy comes out and says, "Oh, this was the you don't know what this mean, uh, what this win means to me." Obviously, we all know what it means to you because your ass was on the line, but uh, and you barely beat a winless uh, uh, Lions team. It means it, it means it, he kept his first class ticket back to Chicago. That's what that means. Yeah, he kept it for, let's say, another week. But I, I don't think the Bears' ownership were, are prone to firing guys midseason, are they? It's usually at the end of the year. Not that they, really, like, but go. the truth is, as bad as an Aggie is, I don't even think he's the worst person on the actual just organization, just payroll. It's got to be Pace. Yeah, 100%. he's one. Of, he's easily the worst GM. I've seen in the NFL in a long time. Now, of course you have some other ones that have had scandals. So that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, just solely based on execution for trades mm-hmm. and just the thought process behind half of these decisions as a Nets fan, I witnessed the Billy King era. Yeah. You didn't want to go through that. And Chicago has <laughs> been going through that for with him about five, 10 years. But when you trade up for Trubisky, you should have fired him after the first year. Just saying. It's funny that, you know, I, I clown a lot on the Bears fans in our Slack channel, and I say, you guys could have had either Deshaun Watson or not even Watson anymore, but you could have had Patrick Mahomes. But here you traded up to get uh, MVP Mitch over here. So, uh, yeah, it's I N- agree with you. MVP <laughs> Mitch. Nickel- Nickelodeon MVP. Can you believe there were actually player. people that were putting money down when he was with the Bears for him to win the MVP? I remember that the bet was so bad that books refunded the betters after about three weeks. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm serious. There were a couple really? of books that just straight up gave refunds because of how bad the bet was. Oh my God. That is crazy. <laughs> I didn't read that one, but that is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Tough times to be a bears fan along with other, uh, 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 other teams as well. Uh, going over to the Cowboys and the Raiders game, the most entertaining game. Uh, we can say for the day, um, Raiders pulled it out, man. But this, uh, this was not the story of the two teams. It was more the guys in the, in the zebra shirts. Hey, 
Now, though, in the words of DeMarcus Cousins, I hope you can see what's going on here because it's getting ridiculous. And that's kind of the penalty situation you got in the NFL because everything's a flag. It was yeah. really a situation where, don't get me wrong, I think the Raiders should have won the game anyway. Yeah. Because you had the questionable false start, which really should have been offsides, but they called it a false start, which gave the Cowboys a shot at second life there. Mm-hmm. But the referees, when you're doing a referee only thank you message in the middle of the fourth quarter when you've already (laughs) called about 200 yards of penalties. That's like the last thing you should be doing. Hockley and his crew were a mess Yeah, and they took over the game. Now, did I think that Anthony Brown should have been benched before the overtime pass interference call? Of course he's getting burned the entire game. And on third and 19, the Raiders made a smart move and they targeted him knowing that there's a chance he might get a penalty on him. So I'm fine with what the Raiders did. I don't know why Brown was on the field, but that I think it was a penalty. I get he didn't turn his head around. I really didn't think he made much contact, but yeah. I do think the referees looked at the guy who was doing the defending and said, it's Anthony Brown. He probably did something, and they just threw the flag. Yeah, Sean Hockley has been the darling of the uh, Slack channel. If you haven't been reading my referee reports, he's been absolutely stellar. Uh, for road teams in particular underdogs uh, for sure. And again, came into fruition in uh, on Turkey day uh, between the Raiders and the uh, Dallas Cowboys. But it's always a good day when the Dallas Cowboys lose a game, right? Especially on Thanksgiving. Well, uh, it depends on which team you root for, but I feel like most of America has gotten fed up with the actual opinion of America's team because they haven't won anything in about 25 years. (laughs) So I feel like most people were probably satisfied with that result, especially most of the public bettors who were just betting the Raiders. I mean, there's no way you're going to lay seven with Dallas. You're probably taking Raiders money line, throwing into some random parlays and seeing what happens. So I feel like for the betting public, a lot of people did well on that game. I agree. 100% going to the last game. Don't want to spend too much time on it. Like you said, but, uh, bills just get the much needed win over a depleted, very depleted saints team, Uh, much needed win, uh, for the bills here. No, it's a depleted saints team that plays the Cowboys next week. So that should be a pretty interesting matchup. But for this game, there's really not much else to say. It's pretty tough to eat a W when Jameis Winston doesn't play. And the Saints found that out the hard way because Trevor Simeon was, well, bad. There's really no other way to put it. The Bills coasted from start to finish. Buffalo is a team that I think is one of the most talented teams in the league. Mm -hmm. And I think that if they could just piece it together for a nice five-week stretch, I think they'd win the Super Bowl. Okay. But we've seen numerous times it's a psycho team. Yeah. And I'm not sure they can actually do it for a full playoff run. But the Bills looked as good as I thought they were mm-hmm. because last week they were a mess against the Colts. But defensively, they were great. Offensively, they were great. They still didn't have much of a ground game. But Matt Breida, I did think, looked good. And I do think that was a nice, I don't want to say addition, but a nice added dimension that he adds to this team. But Buffalo looked really good. And New Orleans is going through a situation where they don't really have a quarterback, their weapons aren't very good, and their defense I thought was fine. I'm not going to blame the defense for being on the field the entire game, but the offense is a mess. Yeah, and then we got the news this morning that Tredavious White tore his ACL, and he's going to be out for the rest of the year, obviously, with the torn ACL there. Uh, Big blow there for the uh, Bills defense, as he is one of the – uh, elite cornerbacks and one of the best in the entire football league. But kind of looking at uh, Bill's schedule for the rest of the way here, they play New England twice. They have Tampa Bay in Tampa and then Carolina, Atlanta, and New York. 
three games that they should win there for sure. If they split with the uh, Patriots and then it comes down to that Tampa Bay game, I think that'll be quite an interesting finish for the, uh, for the Buffalo Bills kind of vying for that number one spot in the AFC. What do you think? Uh, what do you think they go there? Maybe four and two there, five and one, maybe. Well, it depends on how many games you think they win against New England. Now yeah. you can make the argument that New England's got a serious shot to win the division. Yeah. I agree. I think they do have a serious shot because with AJ Brown not playing this week, they mm-hmm. realistically should beat the Titans. Yeah. So I do think they're going to end up matching Buffalo's win in week 12, but you're going through the schedule. Tampa's never easy. We know that with Brady, et cetera, but I'm looking at prices. Do you think the bills should be, I don't want to say this big of a favorite because New England's like plus 200 plus 220, whatever. Do you think there's value on that? Cause I, I think that they're going to split the two games And I think New England is a team that nobody really wants to face right now because they just don't beat themselves ever. I'm currently seeing a minus 200 for them on the uh, division or the bills. If you shop around, I'm sure you could better find a better number for the Patriots. I see a plus 150, but like you said, there's probably plus 200 to plus 220s out there. Um, Yeah. I mean, especially you being tied with, for the division lead right now. And then you still have two head to head matchups left. That tiebreaker though, is going to come down to the week one fumble against Miami. Cause Buffalo has an extra division win in pocket. Yeah. But I, I mean, are you really going to lay minus 200 right now? I wouldn't do it. I would rather take the, obviously the plus money with the Patriots. I mean, they're playing some of the best football right now are the Patriots. I mean, their defense, I know they haven't played the greatest competition, but they're taking care of business over their little win streak here. And, Kind of shifting gears here also, do you think Mac Jones is rookie of the year? Uh, Yes. Now, I would assume no matter what, no matter how good Chase's start of the season was, it's a quarterback award. Yeah. And you just go through the recency bias, or just not even bias, but just the recent winners of the award. Mm -hmm. They've been predominantly quarterbacks. And I remember I made a decent amount of money. I think it was plus 500 on Kyler Murray a couple years ago. Josh Jacobs got off to a huge start. And people were just penciling him in as rookie of the year. And I'm just thinking to myself, Murray has the ball in his hands every single play. He's going to yeah. put up a bunch of numbers. And if they win games, then they should fare decently. Now, Kyler didn't exactly win many games, mm-hmm. but he looked very entertaining and he looked promising playing. And I do think you're seeing with Mac Jones, even if the style of play is really unimpressive because they're just throwing a bunch of dump off passes. Yeah. If you win a bunch of games and Chase doesn't really do much, he doesn't have that 70-yard touchdown catch where he's on pace to outdo Randy Moss for about a five-game stretch. Yeah. Then I do think that Mac Jones has a shot because he's playing meaningful football and his team's doing really well. Yeah. I think that last year we saw Justin Jefferson do similar things also, but Justin Herbert won that because he threw, what, 4,000 yards last year. But I think if Mac Jones – I don't even think they have to win the division. I think that they find a way to get into the playoffs as a wild card team. I don't see If they win nine why. or ten games and Chase does not go nuts like he did for the first five weeks or so, yeah, Jones is going to win. Yeah, I don't think that Chase will. I mean, yeah, he had another touchdown last week, but I'm kind of pulling up the schedule here for the – uh, New England Patriots also, then we can wrap it up and get to our player props. So they have Tennessee, like we mentioned this week. Uh, again, Buffalo head-to-head, like we talked about, and they have the Colts. And then last two weeks, they should take care of business against the two Florida teams, Jacksonville uh, at home, and then going down to Miami, probably to avenge that loss uh, after week one on that fumble. But they always have a tough time down in Miami for whatever reason. Maybe the heat gets them, but whatever it is. But 
Yeah, I mean, I I only ask you that because I am holding a fourteen to one uh, Mac Jones ticket here for uh, for uh, rookie of the year. So I, I think that yeah, that's in pretty good shape. Well, the thing is, you need at least one statistic that Jones can stand out in because QBR is forty nine point eight, which is mediocre. But the thing is, you look at his completion percentage, number one, right? It's seventy point two percent. Yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of dump off passes. I get it. Yeah, but when you're a rookie. And you're putting up completion numbers that rival Drew Brees. Yeah, that's the stat you need to win a Rookie of the Year award. I agree. What? Well, he, yeah, he's she, he, Yeah, last week we talked about. I talked about this with. I think it was Rod, and we were saying that he was number tied for four, but then he's catapulted up to number two now behind Kyler Murray, but who hasn't played very many games. Um, and his touchdown to uh, interception ratio, 14 to eight, which isn't too bad for a rookie uh, quarterback. So I think he's in pretty good shape. There is Mac Jones. Uh, anything else you want to get to uh, Scott? Uh, for the most part, not really. Uh, I guess one more award we could talk about coach of the year. Belichick's yeah. the favorite. I know yeah. Vrabel was close and they lost to Houston. So I think you should be disqualified if you lose to Houston. <laughs> so I don't think he should win the award. You think Belichick just runs with it. If, if New England wins this, uh, makes the playoffs or just finishes with 10 wins because you look at the overall roster. Yeah. I know the defense is really good, but Belichick after last year with Cam Newton experiment, which failed miserably, it does seem like he's just going to get the award because he took a pretty, let's just say average roster Mm -hmm. and he turned them into one of the best defenses in the league and an offense that is definitely not atrocious to watch so i'm gonna go ahead and say belichick at around plus 250 probably should be lower right i see a five to one for him to win it you see a five to one okay never mind well at five to one doesn't that seem a little bit rich yeah and i'll be honest again i am holding a belichick ticket so i don't want to sound too biased here but do you think i mean if if the well, Arizona Cardinals, the league, half these teams keep falling over themselves. Yeah, but if the Cardinals end up winning that NFC West, don't you think that Kinsbury probably gets that award? I think he'll probably win it. Yeah, uh, if they end up with 12, 13 wins or so, which is where yeah. they're headed. But we've seen the Cardinals collapse down the stretch. So yeah. I am curious if the Cardinals win the division, but let's just say they lose four out of their last five. Mm-hmm. Does that leave a sour taste in? the voters' mouths, even though the Cardinals still finish with a better record than New England. I don't know. Yeah, and that's a discussion, right? I'm quickly looking at what the uh, Cardinals have left, and they have – they're on a bye week this week, obviously. They, have Chicago, they go to Chicago. They have the Rams, the Lions, the Colts, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks. So, I mean, it's it's not easy, but it's not that difficult. It should be a minimum either. of of – yeah, there should be a minimum of three wins there. Yeah, at least three. I mean, Detroit for sure. Um, Seattle. Chicago, I mean, yeah. Yeah, Chicago. And then Seattle, Russell Wilson's not going to play. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think that, you know, I think. But Wilson might play, but Seattle might be so far out of it. Why bother? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, and I, I don't think, yeah, Variable, he's at 6-1 to one right now. With the, like you talked about, the loss to Houston. What was Kingsbury's odds? He's at 4-1. to one. Do you think – I think it's a decent option if you want to bet both him and Belichick because I'm not sure who else is going to win the award. Yeah, so he goes 4-1 to one, Kingsbury, 5-1 to one, Belichick, 6-1 to one, Vrabel, and then Staley drops all the way down to 10-1. to one. Yeah, Vrabel get out of here because if New England wins a seven-point favorites against Vrabel this week, yeah, I have a hard time believing the voters will put Vrabel ahead of Belichick when Belichick wins the head-to-head. 
Yeah. And I don't think the Colts are out of that AFC South uh, division title either. Yeah. Um, and then falls to McVay at 14 to one McCarthy. Get out of here with that. Zach, Zach Taylor, 16 to one. Zach Taylor. I don't think, I don't think he's a very good coach. But, I don't think know. so either, but uh, I guess they've overperformed for what they are this season. I would but, say if you, if you're looking at it now, bet Belichick, bet Kingsbury, one of the two are going to win the award. Yeah. I think I might have to hedge a little bit with Kingsbury at four to one there. So uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on these markets as we progress, uh, as we kind of get closer and closer to the end of the season. Uh, Scott, let's take a break here, bud. We'll come back and we'll get into our player props for uh, NFL Week 12. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of WinBet Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. WinBet has some brand new bonuses. New new users can bet $1 and win $100 on any sport. Plus, you can get up to $1,500 as a free bet on WinBet if you make a first deposit of $20 or more. Whatever your first wager is, WinBet will match it up to 200%. If you bet $100, you'll get a free bet of $200. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. PropSwap has always always has the best odds because you're buying directly from other bettors like yourself. See a bet that you like but think the price is too high? Submit a bid for a price you think is fair, then buy it. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and PropSwap will double it up to $500. Double the cash means double the odds. If you love sports betting, you need to be using PropSwap. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time, so your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. Thousands of bettors across the country are shopping for tickets on PropSwap every day. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. All right, coming off of the break, Scott, let's dive into these uh, player props, man. I will give you the floor first here, sir. Uh, What is your first player prop for week 12? So when you have a matchup between two teams this bad, it's always fun to give out a player prop. It's the Texans and Jets game. And I'm looking (laughs) at Ty Johnson. Over 20 and a half receiving yards I at minus 125. That's one of mine also, so I'll let you give the handicap. Okay, so either way, to go through his numbers recently, he's recorded at least 22 receiving yards in five of the last six games. Michael Carter is now out. We know how good he's been, but unfortunately for the Jets, he will not be there, which means that Ty Johnson should see a decent amount of playing time. Now, Tevin Coleman did play a little bit last week. Yeah. So maybe he's cutting in a little bit, but Johnson is definitely the better receiving back. Yeah. And I do think that he will end up getting at least enough targets to get over this 20 and a half. But Houston's allowing 255.8 passing yards per game, which ranks 26th in the league. Zach Wilson's coming back. I think that he might be under pressure a decent amount because he's been under pressure all season long. I think he'll check it down a decent amount. 
20 and a half is way too low for a potential starting running back on this offense. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. So this was one of my plays also. I think that, um, like you mentioned, yeah, he is a pass catcher. Even when Michael Carter was there, I think that Ty Johnson was that pass catching running back for this Jets team. And it seems like this hasn't been accounted for. It seems like this was his number even when Michael Carter was in there. And maybe they're saying that Tevin Coleman is going to have a similar production to Michael Carter, but I don't think that's the case at all. I don't, I'm not a Tevin Coleman guy for, you know, for whatever reason, I just don't, don't think he's produced very much, but I agree with you. I'm also on the Ty Johnson over receiving uh, yards prop. Um, since we agree on that one, yeah, same one. Uh, I'll let you go again. What's your second player prop? So for this one, I'm going to go with a quarterback. I'm going to fade one. I'm looking at Baker Mayfield and I like the over half an interception at plus one Oh five couple reasons why first of all, plus one Oh five. Really? <laughs> I feel like that should easily be a minus. But anyway, yeah. you're looking at Mayfield's recent numbers, and they've not been good. He's been awful the last two games. He's thrown three interceptions in the last two games combined. So he has been a little bit careless with the football. The main reason is some historical trends. Because the Browns, of course, are division rivals with the Ravens. That means they play the Ravens twice a year. Mayfield has faced the Ravens six times in his career. He has thrown at least one interception in every meeting. So if you're six for six with interceptions and you're giving me plus 105, I'm going to take that all day, every day. Yep. Can't argue that. I think I had a similar handicap for a Tom Brady interception against the, um, it was the Saints. Yeah. The Saints game. Yeah. So he he had been, I think going back to last year when he was with the Buccaneers, he had thrown some godly number of interceptions against the, um, the Saints. So I had taken that over too, but yeah, Mayfield, I mean, (sighs) how is that plus money? I don't know. Like, I really don't know. I know I'm going to write that one down also, but at plus money, come on. Um, maybe they're thinking that he doesn't throw it that much. Uh, with, with, I don't think they're activating cream hunt off of the IR. That doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to play, but he's being activated and maybe they're going to run the ball more. I don't know. Are we sure the Browns aren't going to be down 14 in the fourth quarter? Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. So he's going to come have to come out and sling the ball. He has such an awkward, like throwing motion too. It's like, he's like hacking at the ball or like, you know, uh, but broader question about Baker Mayfield. What's the number that he gets signed to as a, a new contract for him? Or how for much? Year? Yeah. I mean, maybe over like overall general thoughts. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything precise, but how much do you think that he's going to get? It's so tricky because I kind of look at it like how I used to look at NBA free agency. Mm-hmm. You'd have role players like Caldwell Pope who are going to make 20-something million dollars, and you're just like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Alan Crabb's about to make $25 million. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, There's yeah. a little time frame there where a bunch of role players, Mozgov was getting a bunch of money. And I feel like the NFL quarterbacks have reached that point where everyone's overpaid. It started with Flacco once he won his Super Bowl with the Ravens. And then because he got paid so much, every other quarterback got paid more. And now you have a trickle-down effect where the mediocre and below-average quarterbacks are also making more than they should. Yeah, I think he'll get 20. Does, it, does he deserve 20? Hell no. no. Not even close. Yes. Yeah. But he's a former number one pick. Yeah. And one front office is going to think that they can fix him. Potentially Chicago. I'm joking. I know they got Justin Fields. But <laughs> – I'm trying to think of what teams would make a move like that. I could see Detroit doing something if they're not, if they can somehow get rid of Goff. I can yeah. see some teams taking a shot. So I think one team will give him 20. Mm-hmm. I think it's a stupid contract to give, but one team will do it. God forbid it's the Houston Texans. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Baker guy. I don't think a lot of the guys are, or a lot of fans are Baker guys, unless you're maybe even like Browns fans are not. 
Baker guys. But yeah, getting back to the player prop, yeah, plus money, you got to gobble that up every single day of the week. Well, well, Baker, unfortunately, has more progressive commercials than touchdowns. So I feel like that's why people sometimes get annoyed by him. (laughs) I agree with that 100%. Going to my next player prop, I'm going to go in that same division. I'm also going to take an under, but it's going to be on a yardage for Joe Burrow under 251 and a half passing yards. I feel like this number is a touch too high for Burrow. I know he's been throwing the ball uh, really well as of late uh, and over the past five weeks, but in a division game against the Steelers, I just don't see him going off here. Uh, In the earlier match of the season against the Steelers, Burrow was, I think, 14 of 18 for 172 yards. In one game last season against the Steelers, Burrow threw the ball 40 times and only netted 213 passing yards. And over the last three games, the Steelers defense has been allowing only 243 passing yards. I know it hasn't been against uh, the a stellar competition, but I believe I believe I just saw that they get TJ Watt and Mika Fitzpatrick back this week. Um, so I think this is a, is a game that we will probably see a lot of firework fireworks on offense. Hopefully, they're also able to contain uh, Jamar Chase here uh, and then not let him get like a seventy yard touchdown. But I like the under here for Joe Burrow against the Steelers on Sunday. Well, the two main pieces coming back definitely help. So that yeah. that of course is an angle because the Steelers defense. They got torched last week. Yeah. How are they not supposed to get torched last week? You're against Herbert. You're missing your three best defensive players. It was a match made in hell. You were going yeah. to get killed in that game. But I, the way I'm looking at it is that Pittsburgh, even though Watt is back, has really not been as good against the run as they probably should have been. Mm-hmm. And Mixon's been really good. Yeah. I would not be surprised to see if Cincinnati leans on the ground game a bit. Which is a teaser to my other player prop, but I will give you the floor next uh, for your next player prop. Well, I kind of stole your move then because I got two player props on the same game. It's a different game, but I doubled up on one game. It's between the Giants and the Eagles, and I'm going to start off with Daniel Jones. I'm taking the under 230 and a half passing yards at minus 110. He's recorded less than 223 passing yards in each of the last four games. Philadelphia is allowing just 203.3 passing yards per road game, which ranks sixth in the league. And the Eagles have allowed a less than 227 passing yards in three of the last four games. But Daniel Jones has been a mess. We saw him really struggle in garbage time to move the ball against Tampa. And we know the Eagles have been very good at running the ball pretty much for the last month. I do think time possession numbers should be a bit skewed here. But the Giants receiving core has a lot of names. None of them have really done anything this year. And Jones has looked like a mess. Now, do I think Jones can get benched in this game? Maybe if the coaching staff gets fed up enough, but I do think with Kitchens now calling the plays, you might see a little bit of a disorganization mm-hmm. uh, just between these uh, actual players and the coaching staff. Sure. Two thirty and a half sounds low. Yeah, I don't think it is because he's really had a hard time going over two thirty for the last month. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you just told me a Daniel Jones and under passing yards, that's all you would have to probably tell me. But yeah, he's just. Let's say he's not a, he's he's not qualified to be a starting quarterback in this league, and you know again, Eagles are going to need this game in every single way if they're going to uh, you know climb back in and give the Cowboys a run for their money. And now they know that Cowboys obviously lost on Thursday. Now they're coming back here against the Giants in the division game, uh, going up against the uh, Giants, and I think they'll probably do whatever they can to kind of create a pass rush and and, and not let Daniel Jones go wild, which he doesn't really do that. So. I agree with that. Daniel Jones under, uh, what was the number again, uh, Scott? Uh, the number was 230 and a half, but the Giants also got Barkley back. Yeah. I'm assuming you're going to give him the ball at least 15, 20 times on the ground. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you got a, you got, you got Barkley back. He was your second overall pick. You need to find a way to get involved, and in I'm sure they're going to hand it off to him for sure. Um, I'll go with that Joe Mixon prop next, which I said that's like going to be over 71 and a half rushing yards for Joe Mixon. Uh, rush defense again. Yeah, they get TJ Watt back, but they've been struggling this, uh, recently, to say the least. Over the last three weeks, the Steelers' rush defense is the worst in the league, allowing opposing teams to rush for an average of 175 yards per game. Uh, meanwhile, Mixon has been playing well as of late for the Bengals. Last week, he ran for 123 yards. Um, uh, sorry, last week and then earlier this season against the Steelers, 18 carries at 90 yards uh, in that game. So the second matchup here, I'm going to take the over 71 and a half rushing yards for Joe Mixon. Uh, that kind of correlates with the under on the Joe Burrow and then over on the Joe Mixon uh, rushing yards. Yeah, uh, it definitely makes sense to me. Mixon has been the main cog of this offense, so I yeah. think that should continue. Yeah. Hit me with your next one, uh, Scott. So sticking with the Eagles and the Giants game, I'm looking at the Eagles running back here, Miles Sanders. And my fingers are crossed he can stay healthy for a full game. But I'm taking the over 63 and a half rushing yards at minus 114. This number's too low. Yeah. You're looking at the actual injury report for Philly and his performance last week. I know that there was a lot of garbage time involved against the Saints, but he still looked pretty good in his first game back from IR. But Jordan Howard has been getting a decent amount of run in this offense. Mm -hmm. He is now going to be out. So I do think Sanders should get more touches in this game. And last week, Sanders came off IR 16 carries and 94 yards. And New York is allowing 119.7 rushing yards per game, which ranks 23rd in the league. I think Sanders should get at least 15 carries in this game, maybe more. And I do think with Hertz as quarterback, any read option, he could potentially break one for 20-something yards, 30-something yards, which is a huge outlier you might like to have. But yeah. this number does seem too low. I think he should get to 70 with at least 15 carries. Yeah, I think this is going to be a running attack game for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, Jalen uh, Hurts doesn't have the biggest arm in the world or the greatest arm as far as accuracy and things like that, um, And which kind of correlates to my next one. And I, I, I would, there was two ways I wanted to go with this, and it centered around Jalen Hurts. Um, and I wanted to see if, let me see if I can find it right now. I saw uh, any time touchdown score, like plus 120, if that's what you're looking for. No, I was looking for his longest rush uh, for oh. Jalen Hurts because he's been absolutely crushing it uh, for the past couple weeks here. Give me a second. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, running back, longest rush. Here we go. Uh, let me see if they had it for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I don't see it, but I'm just going to go Jalen Hurts over 48, 48 and a half rushing yards um, this Sunday against the Giants. Everything that you said about this Giants rush defense, but Jalen Hurts has been quietly crushing this number every single week, man. And the, Dan is the one that kind of led me onto this, and I've been betting it every single week. He's gone over 48 and a half rushing yards in five straight weeks, averaging close to 64 yards per game on the ground. Not only that, he is almost getting uh, – He's almost getting, yeah, he's getting 10 plus rush attempts per game or five out of the last six weeks. So he's getting the attempts. He's getting the yardage. I uh, don't anticipate them throwing the ball. So it might be the Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts RPO show here. Um, you know, everything that you mentioned about the Giants rush defense, you know, they're kind of middle of the pack and well below average also over their last three games. So I'm going to take uh, Jalen Hurts over 48 and a half rushing yards. So um, I think we're going to get a ground and pound game here from the Philadelphia Eagles. It's kind of what yeah, we're we should. Thinking. I'm also kind of pivoting off of Hertz because I do think at some point teams are going to realize Hertz is really good at running the ball and they yeah. might over adjust, mm -hmm. which could lead the actual running back on some of those option plays to yeah. be relatively open. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping Sanders finds enough holes and gets enough volume to go over. Yeah, I agree, man. I think that 
Uh, I have Miles Sanders on my fantasy football team, so definitely going to be starting him this week for sure uh, against the Giants. And, yeah, that number has kind of ticked up to 49.5 for Jalen Hurts. So uh, glad I locked that uh, up early. Um, Last one for you, uh, Scott. So I'm going to go back to another quarterback that I'm fading. It's going to be Tua Tagovailoa. Yep. And I got him over half an interception at minus 105. Okay. Tua, whether he has been benched for Brissett or injured, what the point is he's appeared in seven games this season. He's thrown at least one interception in five of them. Yep. So he has been a little bit turnover prone so far this season. Meanwhile, Carolina has recorded at least one interception in three of the last four games. Miami's also allowing 2.5 sacks per game, which mm-hmm. ranks 25th in the league while Carolina is averaging 2.7 sacks per game, which ranks fifth. And the reason why I bring that up is because I do think two is going to be under a bunch of pressure in this game because they really don't have a ground game. I know they picked up Philip Lindsay off waivers. They still have Miles Gaskin, but they're really not a great running team. And I do think that if Carolina's pass rush, which has been very good this season, is going to be able to generate pressure, two is going to be forced to make some throws that he probably shouldn't be making. And minus 105 for a guy who has thrown a decent amount of interceptions in the amount of playing time that he's had does seem like a very solid price. I'm going to take the over half interception at minus 105. Definitely. We, me and Dan have been out on two all season long, and I can't believe his like passing yardage was posted at, I think it was like 4,000 yards. And I think that uh, Dan absolutely pounded the under on that. But yeah, I'm not a two a guy. Guy's uh, injury prone. He's a. Uh, Besides the injury prone, he he just doesn't have an arm. Yeah, he doesn't. And especially being left-handed, he's already at a disadvantage being a left-handed quarterback. So uh, I will agree with you on that one. My last player prop for Sunday, it's going to be Justin Jefferson. Longest reception over 26 and a half yards. And this has been an auto bet for me all season long, Scott. And over the last couple of weeks, and frankly, for the course of the season, He's gone over this number in three straight weeks, and it's, he's gone over this uh, longest reception eight out of the last nine games. Um, and then all the season, he's gone over it nine out of the 11. So it's cashing at 82% rate so far this season. Four Niners prone to give up a long completion here and there. And again, the downfield threat for the um, for the Vikings is Justin Jefferson. So I'm just going to continue to back this. I, I've been tweeting it out on Sunday mornings, but – Want to officially give it out on the propcast here for the listeners. So Justin Jefferson, longest reception over 26 and a half yards. Yeah. Don't fix what isn't broken. Yeah. There we go. Scott, let's take a uh, last break here. We'll come back. We'll get into a uh, best bets and any final thoughts for NFL week 12. Better fantasy is a new free to play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the matchups. You can cash out for gift cards when your bet hits and even help raise money for charity along the way. It's a brand new company looking to grow their early adopter community. Slick app and fun to use. One of the reasons we love it is because they also offer prop betting. So if you're in a state that hasn't legalized gambling yet, you can get into some prop bets on Better Fantasy. It's totally free to play. Download today for iPhone and Android. Check them out today at betterfantasy.com SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R fantasy.com slash SGPN. Have you heard about Price Picks? Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this and I know you will too. Price Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Price Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. 
PricePix offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All, your, all new users that deposit and use promo code SGP will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You pick 2-5 to five players and an over-under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected number. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play Store. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy, guys. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use promo code SGP to get your 100% instant deposit match up to $100 or go to your App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Since when did sports betting become so rigid? Sports betting is meant to be social. When I picture betting, I picture bootleggers with mustaches tossing bets around in a speakeasy. SoBet is taking the social lineage of betting and putting a modern twist on it by providing a modern platform. SoBet is changing the game with their new product. Head over to SoBet.io and create an account to see for yourself. Through their fully functioning and free web, app, web application, you can access a demo of their app which will launch next fall. The app includes consensus lines from Vegas, a feed of what other people are betting on, and the ability to send friendly wagers to anyone you know via text, QR codes, and links among other methods. No money is transacted on the app and it is purely competitive. Next time you're with your friends watching sports, turn the dial up a notch. Go to SoBet.io and see what hit the most or see who can hit the most ridiculous bets. Users have the ability to place bets off Vegas odds or generate a bet by changing any metric they want. As long as somebody is on the other side to accept. Let's get back to the roots of betting with SoBet. Go to SoBet.io, that's SoBet.io today to join the revolution. The SGPN app is now live on the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all of our picks and podcasts. Don't forget to toss up an app review and download the SGPN app today. All right, coming off of the break, uh, Scott, let's wrap this baby up with a best bet. I will give you the floor first here, sir. So there are a couple of plays that I really like, but there's one play based on the odds that I absolutely love. It's got to be Baker Mayfield interception at plus 105. That has to be a minus. There's no way that it should be a plus, and I'm going to take the value all day, every day. But I mentioned it before, against Baltimore, he's extremely turnover prone. When you're 100% against an opponent when it comes to throwing an interception, I have to bet you getting plus money. It's just common sense. I got to do it. And Mayfield, not to mention the fact he's been battling injuries all year long. His shoulders yeah. messed up. He has a leg issue. Like he's he's uh, basically walking around in crutches half the time. But I do think he'll struggle. Game flow shouldn't help. And Baltimore's defense has been very good the last couple of weeks. I do think it's a good recipe here. Give me the interception of plus 105 for Baker Mayfield. You mean your, your best bet is a something that's been cashing at 100%? Yeah, I mean, come on. What, what are we doing here? <laughs> uh, for my best bet, let's see here, Scott. Ah, uh, man, I really like all of these. Uh, I let's go, Ty Johnson, man. Uh, and over the twenty and a half, I'm also seeing a nineteen and a half on his receiving yards, and I'm glad that this was one of your plays, also. So it just gives me even more uh, confidence making this my best bet. So Ty Johnson over 19 and a half receiving yards uh, against the Houston Texans. Don't want to go through the handicap again, but this guy should be getting a lot more playing time with Michael Carter out now. I know we talked about Tevin Coleman, 
Uh, but I think that Ty Johnson should uh, easily get over this projection of 20 and a half receiving yards. So that is going to be my best bet for player props for NFL week 12. Scott, any final thoughts, man, uh, for NFL week 12? Um, any particular games you're interested in watching this week? I know we have Packers, Rams, but, uh, and also let the people know where they can find you, man. So one game I'm kind of interested in just in general is going mm-hmm. to be this Tampa Bay Indianapolis game because I'm really not sure how good the Colts actually are. Yeah. And I think they might've figured something out. They discovered the obvious move, which is give Jonathan Taylor the damn ball. Mm-hmm. And they've won a bunch of games because he's really, really good. So I am curious based on this line. It's pretty close because Tampa is a three point favorite, but three does seem a little bit short at first glance. I think the Colts are very live to win this game. And yeah. I think that there's a good chance they're going to win the game. But when you're looking at a potential dark horse team to maybe make a run in the AFC, which has been a complete crapshoot up to this point. Yeah. I don't mind the Colts because I do think that this team, I know Wentz isn't great and I'm sure at some point I'll do something stupid, but they have an identity now. And I do think that in an AFC where at least you have an identity and you can beat any given team on any given afternoon. Mm-hmm. Didn't those value with the Colts making potentially a run here? I, uh, yeah, I agree. And I, and I picked up some Colts uh, AFC South futures. I believe it was at four to one. Um, if, if they can get this game against Tampa, you have a date against the Houston Texans next week, which should be an auto win for you because they absolutely crushed them in week six. Then you go into your buy, and that's that, that's, that gives you a lot of confidence coming out of the bye with four games left, which will be against the Patriots, the Arizona Cardinals, the Las Vegas Raiders, and then you wrap it up in Jacksonville. So if they can find a way to win against Tampa, you have Houston. So I think they'll be sitting in a pretty good spot uh, competing for that AFC South division title at that point. So yeah, I agree with you. Uh, a uh, Colts are looking uh, in a pretty good spot here. Do you know if Vita Vea is playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I didn't catch that last week. Uh, he last I saw is that he was questionable, but I can double check right now. Okay. Yeah. I know Antonio Brown is out for sure with that ankle issue, but um, yeah, if he's going to be able to go, I think that obviously he's their best run stopper. I'm current, yeah. I'm still seeing him questionable. I don't know if you see something updated. Yeah. I see questionable. Yeah. So I think that's something definitely to keep an eye on um, for sure uh, going into Sunday, but yeah, I'm also curious about this uh, Packers Rams game. I think that'll be the game of the week, but I know we're talking about Packers has been, or Aaron Rodgers has been dealing with that toe thing. And he, he, he actually showed his foot during his press conference this week uh, to see what he's dealing with. But thoughts on that game, uh, Scott? I think the line is very interesting because of course, Green Bay's at home. They've been great at Lambeau pretty much forever, but this year in particular, they've been really good. Yeah. You're looking at the Rams. They've, have not been good for the last couple of weeks, mostly Stafford. Stafford's been awful. There's really no other way to put it. And now Stafford goes to Lambeau, a place where he has a lot of familiarity, not always a bunch of success, but the line is pretty short. And I don't think Odell is worth anything at this point in his career. So I think that they lost Robert Woods. They replaced them with a journeyman wide receiver, and Mm -hmm. they're hoping it sticks. But I'm going to go with Green Bay. I do find this line fascinating, but in Lambeau, I'm expecting Stafford to make a couple of really dumb throws. And Rodgers, yes, the toe's bad. He also threw for four touchdowns at 380-plus yards last week. So he (laughs) always finds a way to play well while he's injured. Mm -hmm. Give me Green Bay. But I do think it's a very nice litmus test for the Rams because if they go into Green Bay and win, regardless of how healthy Aaron Rodgers is, Mm -hmm. that'll provide a bunch of confidence moving forward. 
Yeah, I agree. I think I'm definitely interested in watching this game uh, for sure, as is America should be America's game of the week this week. But yeah, a lot of great games this week. Um, hopefully we can all catch some bets here. Scott, let the people know where they can find you, man. So you can find me at Reichel Radio, R-E-I-C-H-E-L Radio on Twitter. Besides that, doing a lot of content for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, whether it involves podcast editing, fantasy football articles, and rankings every single week. And on top of that, uh, doing some guest appearances on some podcasts. So thank you for having me on for the NFL. Sir. And yeah, hopefully we all make some money this weekend. Yeah, definitely. You know, season is winding down for sure here in the NFL already week 12. I can't believe it, man. And we're going to be closer and closer to the playoffs as we enter December. Um, thank you so much, Scott, for joining me this week, man. It was a pleasure having you as always. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. Uh, dropping some, well, I was about to say MLB, but MLB season's over. Uh, NBA plays, some college basketball second half plays, things like that. So definitely check me out there. DMs are always open. Thanks, I was going to ask you that, by the way. Yeah. Are you doing an MLB like off-season show at some point? We did the wrap-up show. Um, I meant like off-season move recap break. Yeah, stuff. we're going to – I'm sure um, we're going to do something as some of these moves start coming out. I'm starting to see the, the rumors start to rumble up here, especially surrounding Tigers and Javi Baez and the, the Thor going over to the Angels. So some maybe some more news that comes out. Me and Malcolm will probably get together and uh, you know do an MLB pod, just kind of recap, maybe like once a, once a month. Um, before we actually have to turn it up for the MLB season. It's going to be here before we know it. So definitely miss baseball for sure. Uh, with that being said, guys, good luck with your bets this weekend, whether it's college basketball, college football, NFL, NBA. Uh, NBA games are just about to tip off, so we're going to get out of here. Good luck with your bets this weekend, guys. Till then, let's break the books off and let it ride. <laughs>